So today we're going to go to session three. There's the link. This is the re-listened version, January 21, 1981. And so this is uh, 32, 32 years ago. Uh, <clears throat> this was, again, the third time that the raw being group came through Carla. And so it's just, we're just here at the beginning of this relationship, teacher-student relationship, between um, Ra group and the LNL research group. So Ra, you know, and here we have 18 questions in session three, and we may be able to finish it today. So the first set of questions is uh, Don asking about uh, how to uh, establish the contact, uh, what's called the methodology. And if you look at the Love One Info page, you can see that there's a section on the top, close to the top, called Show Categories. And these are the categories that were given by the uh, compiler or the, the web maker, the web design, the web webmaster who made these this site. And he did a very excellent job. Very excellent. And so if you show categories, you'll see what he calls the different categories. And so <clears throat> uh, the next set of questions from 3.1 onwards for a little while are called methodology. The methodology or the method of establishing and maintaining the contact with Ra. So Don first asks, uh, did we correctly perform the ritual for starting the communication? This is called walking the circle of one. We talked about this last time at the end of session two. And it was a question and response, call and response format. And it was the magic, the means of uh, white magic by which they purified their group and the space uh, in love light, which wards off and keeps away negative entities, which became a very big problem later. Uh, the question, it was QA, 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 and then a group uh, together. What is the law? The law is one. Why are we here? We seek the law of one. Why do we seek Ra? Ra is a humble messenger of the law of one. And then all together said, Rejoice then and purify this place in the law of one. Let no thought form enter the circle. We have walked about this instrument, for the law is one. And you can do that too, which, which we talked about last time. And it works. You don't have to say, you know, why do we seek Ra? But you can say that because, you know, we're here to, talk, to study Ra, and Ra's with us. So <clears throat> uh, that's useful and um, powerful. And you can just see that, that focusing on... Um, on the major principles of creation, unity, um, uh, humble, sincere service to all, uh, thanksgiving, gratitude, uh, appreciation, uh, this is protective. And so the true spiritual protection is natural from the higher states of consciousness and awareness. Higher states realizing unity. What is the law? The law is one. Uh, the sincerity of, of seeking. Why are we here? We seek the law of one. 
that's the purpose of life seeking self-development evolution of mind body spirit so the principle of seeking and the, the desire to be one why do we seek Ra also the Ra's position as a server Ra is a humble messenger of the loved one it's not a matter of um, worshipping Ra or worshipping Buddha or worshipping anybody it's not a matter of personality this is not a cult of personality it's a matter of um, pure offering of uh, truth so first is the principle of unity then there's the principle of sincere seeking then there's the principle of sincere service to other and then there's gratitude rejoice then and then the purity that comes naturally from those perspectives from those attitudes purify this place in the law of one uh, the law is one let no thought form enter the circle we have walked about this instrument for the law is one and this is the power of one so Eckhart Tolle talks about the power of now um, awareness of now true awareness of now presence true presence is a is an awareness of unity without using the word unity so true presence uh, which is now uh, the sacred present moment uh, occurs with the perspective of even if not articulated of an awareness of unity all is one meaning uh, all is now and now is all and that's actually just what higher self knows in late sixth density and that's why they they're free of time and they have there's no more conflict no more paradox no more confusion at that point so Don asks in 3.1 did we correctly perform the ritual for starting the communication I'm gonna go through these quickly because they're they're simply methodology uh, Ross said the placement of the artifacts designed to balance the instrument should be placed at her head the instruments head for at least the distortion for the least distortion of effect this was the Bible and candle and chalice of water and things like that Ra goes on the remainder of the beginning account of purpose is quite acceptable for those speaking desire to serve meaning uh, you desire to serve and we desire to serve otherwise the intended the attendant emphasis in mind complexities would not have been affected properly very complicated wording they use they're just saying that uh, because you have a pure desire for learning for seeking and learning and sharing and we do too then uh, the things you're saying are effective and the instrument you know the the artifacts the stuff the human created stuff like the Bible and the candle and the chalice of water uh, have an effect and then they say we caution you to guard against those who are not wishing to serve others above all else from taking part in the beginning or in lending their distortions of mind body spirit complex meaning being in the room to any session as we should then be unable to properly blend our distortions with those of the instrument then that's what I keep saying in terms of Facebook group or this group and that group uh, you should reject those who are not of the proper condition of mind meaning the condition of sincere desire to learn and help all I mean you know I'm not saying we need to be a saint 
and we're all selfish in different ways. But there are people who are obstructive, and there are people who are insincere, and there are people who are too wounded or confused or angry to uh, be part of a harmonious, loving, learning group. They should not be there. They should be somewhere else in another, in a bunch of people who are fighting with each other. So if they like to fight, that's fine, but not here. And so uh, your online group is your home. Your, your, your Facebook page is your home. Uh, would you let those people in your home? I wouldn't. So Ra says this too. They're being cautioned to guard against people who are not wishing to serve others above all else. It just means um, people who don't have um, the desire for, for all to benefit. But they're self-service, self-serving. Uh, cautioning the LNL group not to let them sit in the room because then Ra wouldn't be able to blend their distortions or their mind energy vibrations with Carla. Don asked about moving the candle, the Bible, the candle, the incense. What about this position? And Ra says, interestingly, correct the angle. This is 3.3. Please correct the angle of the incense so that it is perpendicular to the plane of 20 degrees north by northeast, which just so happens to be the uh, the direction, the, the, uh, the tack, the point, uh, of the compass from which the new fourth density positive energies uh, are coming as North Pole, meaning the pole shift is 20 degrees north by northeast. Uh, that's actually uh, the uh, some, I don't know if it's a, so what kind of pole shift. There's a magnetic pole shift and there's some other kind of pole shift, but maybe it's the magnetic pole shift uh, that is um, the reorientation of Earth on the axis to prepare for fourth density and, and the initial condition in fourth density is a pole shifting 20 degrees north-northeast. David Wilcock understands that also, but that comes from this quote, this statement from Ra, and they explain it a little bit longer later. Another question, 3.4, about methodology. And it's, Ra was very exacting in this uh, and said, please check your eye to make fine correction. We'll explain. And then they explain why being so meticulous is important. Ra goes on, we'll explain the process by which this becomes a significant distortion balancer. So balancing distortion neutralizes it. The incense acts as energizer to the physical body of the instrument. Uh, signifying its humanity, body. This is, therefore, a necessity that the wafted smoke is perceived from the same, rel same relative angle as the instrument perceives the open Bible, balanced by the lighted candle, which signifies uh, love, light, and light, love, which is the, the flame of the candle, is the light and light love of creation and of the Creator. Therefore, that gives the mental and emotional distortion complex of the instrument the site of paradise and peace which it seeks. Thus energized from the lower to the higher, the instrument becomes balanced and does not grow fatigued. So this is um, symbolic metaphysics of, uh, visual, uh, of visual perception. The arrangement of material objects so as to 
establish um, visual perceptual symbolism that has an effect on the mind and and by that prepares or, or changes our energy condition which allows the contact. So this is one of the highest purposes of ritual and the original purpose of ritual. Ritual meaning careful arrangement of physical objects or um, arrangement of sequences of activity uh, which is different than just sitting in meditation and watching breath which is non-ritualistic uh, that Gautama taught, Buddha taught in India 2,500 years ago where uh, their religion was, and spirituality was highly ritualistic people doing all sorts of crazy things and they also do that still today in India many religions, uh, sects of Hinduism filled with ritual and uh, ceremony and Buddha really cut through all that and said it's not, ne not necessary rites and rituals are not important What's important is transformation of your being, and that can be affected quite well by going all the way with vipassana or insight meditation, which is mindfulness. And yet, here in this contact, we're talking from a somewhat Western, magical, occult, positive, white, white magical perspective. And Ra's explaining just how it is that careful arrangement of objects as being ritual or methodology uh, or ceremony is uh, has symbolic effect, symbolic meaning, and therefore uh, influences thought for the perceivers, particularly Carla, which changes our energy, their energy fields, which establishes the preparation for the contact and the the degree of meticulousness being meticulous in it, uh, is the, uh, signifies and, and really comes, comes as a measure of one's degree of commitment. If, if you're really committed, uh, then you want to make it as perfect as you can. I mean, it's not being insanely neurotic with the, you know, electron microscope measuring, but, you know, a reasonable, significant effort is made. To make to put things into their proper alignment, which is what Ra's talking about. So I mean, I, I cook rice here, and um, I clean the not clean, but I you know take the rice out of the rice pot and put it into a bowl. Uh, and my view is not one single rice grain should be wasted. Now then, there's broken grains and sticky gluten on the side of the rice pot. Well, I think you know I'm not going to go crazy scraping it all off, but not a single grain should be wasted. Why waste one grain? Why? No reason. I mean, if you don't have time or whatever, of course, there are circumstances. But that attitude of not a single grain should be wasted um, is a kind of meticulousness. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm good or great, but I think that it's an expression of that same sincerity. There's a story of uh, Tan Zen, Chinese Zen, Chinese Chan master teacher in India, in China, maybe whatever, thousand years ago, fifteen hundred years ago, who's walking up the mountainside to examine the the teacher. He's himself a teacher, <clears throat> doing pilgrimage to go to other temples to see who's who knows what, and who can teach him. 
and he sees um, bits of food and leafy vegetable, leaf vegetable leaves and things coming down the stream from the mountain top or wherever the monastery is. And after a while, he basically just leaves and doesn't come back. <laughs> Knowing that any temple where the monks are wasting food and throwing it into the river like that has a lousy teacher. So where there's smoke, there's fire. Where the students are poor, the teacher is poor, generally. Now, where the students are excellent, the teacher is excellent, generally. <clears throat> so you can know uh, the teacher by the conduct of the students. Uh, you can uh, determine the sincerity by the degree of attention paid to small detail. And so Ra gets very, you know, they, they really um, became kind of nitpicking, but it wasn't in the spirit of being critical. They're saying, um, our contact will proceed best when you are very committed to, um, to the work. <laughs> and that starts with the preparation of the ritual items around her, Carla, that helped her um, ease her mind, because it's kind of scary, you know, you lie down in the bed, and you have uh, microphones on the, on the sheet, and you look like, you know, you're being prepared for ritual sacrifice or something, in a white gown, or whatever this was for her, <clears throat> and then she goes unconscious, and then all sorts of stuff happens, and she wakes up from it an hour later, and doesn't know anything. It's kind of like dying. Uh, and so, <clears throat> she needed to be. She needed to put her mind at ease, uh, and that's what the purpose of these different items and their arrangement was—to help her put herself at ease. So, Don asks, three point five. Does it appear correctly aligned now? <laughs> Ross says, "I judge it within limits of acceptability." <clears throat> and those are the first main questions on methodology. Again, everything could be expanded, but that's maybe enough we need to say for that for now. Any questions here? Right. Um, actually, I believe that she herself didn't want to read them. I'm not perfectly clear about that, but I believe that she herself did, made her made sure she didn't read the transcripts. Maybe that maybe Don wanted that too, but I believe that it was her decision not to, because she didn't want to. Um, she didn't want to be consciously channeling. <laughs> she didn't want to be talking. She wanted Rod to do it, which is pure. She wanted to offer herself totally and didn't want to get into the mindset of checking, oh, what am I doing? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it interesting? What can I think about? How can I think about what I'm doing? She just want. she trusted and she wanted, she had the purity of heart to to desire total self-offering to God to the creator, to the creation, to bring through the material perfectly, as best as she could. So she had a very pure, had a very, has a very pure intention of self-offering. So that, that's where she was coming from, and I don't know if it was from Dawn or both or what, but I believe it was her view. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, now we have a series of questions about the pyramids, and actually... Um, that'll carry us through to the end of the session. 
So there are 10 questions or so about pyramids. Starting at 3.6, Don was wondering about the capstone. Was there a capstone on the Great Pyramid at Giza? And would that be, you know, asking about that, would that be a good way to help the reader of a book later uh, make an easy entry to this information? Rod 3.6 says, <clears throat> I will not suggest the proper series of questions. This is your prerogative as free agent of the law of one. Having learned, understood, meaning having learned and understood, that our social memory complex cannot effectually discern the distortions of the social, of the societal, mind-body-spirit complex of your peoples. Meaning, uh, uh, we're not going to tell you what questions to ask. That's your right and responsibility. You are a free agent of the law of one or a free agent of, of the totality. Uh, and you should have you should have learned and you should understand already that we ourselves, our social memory complex, can't figure out, can't discern perfectly um, all the distortions of your society. <laughs> Later Ross said, we cannot plumb the depths of the distortions which infect your peoples. That's a paraphrase, but that's basically the words they used. And so uh, they had a lot of trouble with that, in fact. They say, we wish now to fulfill our teach-learning honor responsibility by, asking, by answering what is asked. So they understand their role as um, simply teaching by answering questions. And they put a lot of words together, and you'll see this again and again and again, teach-learning, learn slash understood, honor slash responsibility, or honor duty responsibility, love light, light love, things like that, time, space, space time, because they're focusing on one half of a unified whole. They're, they're emphasizing in the particular context one aspect of a, polar, of a polarity that is a whole. Or they're basically talking about the whole itself, which needs to be understood in its polarized forms, like honor, responsibility. They feel <clears throat> an honor. They feel it's an honor. For them, it is an honor. Like, I can feel some honor to be in this capacity speaking now. That honor is a responsibility. So they take it seriously. Uh, likewise, they are saying that the group L&L, they should have already learned, understood uh, learning, therefore leading to understanding. True learning is understanding, and understanding is a form of learning. So self-understanding is self-learning, and that's the way of evolution of self, or mind-body-spirit. So <clears throat> they're saying, you know, we can't figure out exactly what all the distortions of your people, uh, so you, you, <laughs> it's your thing, L&L, &L, to uh, figure out what questions and how to organize a book. And they, they, they did... Um, they hit, they hit it perfectly because they simply said, okay, we'll just put together transcripts. And so then the four books, the four original books of the raw material are the transcripts of uh, 106 sessions. That's it. And then they had to re-listen, figure out that they missed some things the first time around. But that's a very pure way of um, offering to readers, to people, uh, the teachings here. And so... And this is their point. They said, this will only suffice, for we cannot plumb the depths of the distortion complexes which infect your people. Say, hey, that's the line I always use. So, they actually said, we cannot plumb the depths of the distortions 
distortion complexes, which infect your pupils. Even that sentence has a lot uh, to be unpacked. Uh, distortion in mind is as contagious and infectious as um, bad bacteria, viruses, and fungi at the physical level. Uh, distortions of mind are like viral infections for collective consciousness. Humanity itself is profoundly affected and infected by um, streams of distorted beliefs. Just like Ra talked about, and you'll see it later, the concept of holy war. This is a holy war. I can murder and butcher those people over there who are my enemies, of course, because they don't believe what we believe, or they look different, uh, because uh, God wants me to. It's a supreme good to do violence. War as a supreme, absolute, holy, the holy uh, crusade. This is an extremely serious distortion, mistake, wrong view, Orion lie, negative, false, poison pill. And it has infected the whole world, so that every group that does battle with every other group believes that they're holy, they're in the right. War as a sacred duty, or a sacred right, or sacred honor the sacred honor of being a, a killer for God, a warrior for the church or the mosque or the, the synagogue or the ashram or the, <clears throat> the, the temple or whatever. This is a very uh, diseased belief. This is a very sick belief that is um, rampant on this planet. And so, um, and that came from Orion 40 negative, of course. So, we can't plumb the depths of these distortions which infect your peoples, so it's your task to figure out how to arrange a series of questions and put together the book. <clears throat> As to the capstone, Ross says, the first question, therefore, is the capstone. We iterate, meaning we state, the unimportance of this type of data. So, Ra doesn't uh, flinch from um, what we could say is a judgment. It is unimportant. They didn't say, oh, I love you, oh, you're so sweet, thank you for your question. They said, we want to say it again, that this is unimportant information. And a real teacher doesn't mince words and is not a, um, a puff cake, is not a uh, pudding puff cake. And so real teachers kick ass, um, and, and Ra is, is serious. <laughs> so... This is not important. It's your question, and we love you, and this question is not important. doesn't mean you're bad. doesn't mean you're unimportant. <laughs> but this type of information is not important. So Ra goes on. The so then, they get, then they answer it. The so-called Great Pyramid had two capstones. One was of our design and was of smaller and carefully contrived pieces of the material upon your planet, which you call granite. This was contrived for the crystalline properties and the proper flow of your atmosphere via a type of what you would call chimney. And so the capstone originally was granite uh, that they designed, and the crystalline properties of the granite, which is very interesting, and you could study that, are useful for the um, to the energetics of the pyramidal shape. 
which Ra explains later, which is a ratio of time-space uh, substance or energy line, energy, sacred geometry. The sacred geometry is basically a way of affecting uh, etheric energy, non-physical energies, or uh, higher dimensional energies, actually. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, the, that their original granite capstone by its crystalline properties, assisted with the energetics of the, of the pyramid function, and also um, was part of a chimney system. Then, <clears throat> at a time when we as a people had left your density, 3D physical, the original was taken away and a more precious one substituted. It consisted in part of a golden material, meaning gold. This did not change the properties of the pyramid as you call it at all, and was a distortion due to the desire of a few to mandate the use of the structure as a royal place only. So you can see how upside down us modern folks are, and many new age folks are, by thinking, oh wow, the, the Great Pyramid had a golden capstone. Oh my God, that's so beautiful, man. That's great. That was done by evil priests. That was done by service to self people who distorted the original purpose and function of the pyramid. That was done by people who were service to self, negative, and did sacrifice of humans. That lovely, beautiful, golden capstone. So, <clears throat> people should get their priorities straight. And uh, that golden capstone was not done by Ra. They had a granite capstone. Granite is holy. Gold is holy. But uh, the beautiful golden capstone was done by um, men of greed and violent mind who uh, abused what Ra had given or misused or used for negative purpose. 3.7, Don's asking about the chimney, and Ra says there's a proper flow of your atmosphere, which, though small, freshens the whole of the structure. That's why it's important to open your windows in winter. It's important. I, I always keep my windows open all the time, no matter what the temperature is. So sometimes I have icicles hanging from my nose, <clears throat> but the top of my nose, not the lower portion. But it's a good thing to have the windows open a little bit. That was a joke. See, my jokes are becoming like Ra's jokes. There's a proper flow of your atmosphere. It means that the fact that they had a little hole, a little venting, um, even though there wasn't a big opening, allowed a certain flow of air throughout the structure where people were in. There was a queen's chamber, a king's chamber, other areas that people would be doing things in. This was designed by having airflow ducts <clears throat> situated so that there was a freshness of atmosphere without any disturbance or draft. So they know what they're doing. Don asks, how were the blocks of the pyramid moved or uh, adjusted? And Ra gives an um, answer that includes some teaching on the hierarchical nature or internal structure of light. Um, all the, the true nature of all energy is light. Obviously, we know E equals MC squared, so matter and energy are interconvertible, or two forms or phases of the same substance, or two phases um, that, that um, alternate or that interplay, interact, matter and energy. Ra said that the origin of, the, the nature of energy is light. 
this light is not physical light. It's actually uh, the vibratory condition that allows uh, the appearance of matter and energy. So that's, you know, high uh, quantum physics and things like that. But <clears throat> Ra's, uh, in talking about the moving of the blocks of the pyramid, Ra talks about the nature of light. Ra says, 3.8, you must picture the activity within all that is created, meaning all seven-dimensional um, form and energy, which is all that is created. The energy is, though finite, quite large compared to the understanding distortion of your peoples. Uh, this is an obvious point well known to your peoples, but little considered. <clears throat> Meaning, um, it's like the energy of the atom. Atomic energy, uh, if you can split the atoms of anything, um, there's the liberation uh, of tremendous energy. Though finite, quite large, compared to what we understand as uh, the energetic capacities of, of matter. It's, there's much more there. And then further, Ra goes on, this energy, which we're talking about as the, the, the energy potential of matter, uh, this energy is intelligent, it is hierarchical, just as the seven, um, the seven colors of light in the rainbow are the intrinsic hierarchy or vibrational quanta or structure of light that is revealed through the prism. Uh, likewise, the body is that way. And Ra goes on, much as your mind-body-spirit complex dwells within a hierarchy of vehicles, meaning energy bodies, and retains, therefore, the shell, or shape, or field, and the intelligence of each ascendingly intelligent or balanced body, which means energy body. There's a physical body, there's the etheric body, there's the astral body, there are other energy fields. Their body equals energy field, which is like a shell and has a shape and is a form, field of energy, uh, the body, the physical body has a shape, it's like a shell, it is the manifestation of an energy field, and it has its own intelligence. And so there's this quality of shape or shell or field, energy field, and intrinsic intelligence to each ascendingly intelligent or balanced body, energy body. Likewise, so does each atom of such a material as rock, because it's... Um, it's of the natural creation, not a human artifact. Not like, and Rod said, actually, after dimensional shift, no human artifacts will remain, 3D artifacts, meaning cups and saucers and buildings and clothing and all sorts of human-made stuff because it doesn't have seven energy fields and it doesn't ascend or it doesn't remain. Anyway, likewise, uh, although we ourselves as a mind-body-spirit complex, dwell within a hierarchy of vehicles, meaning <laughs> we are manifest, we are conscious now in our physical body, manifest through our brain and our eyes and our senses. Uh, but this is like dwelling, or this is a form of dwelling within a hierarchy of energy bodies, energy fields, uh, shells, vehicles, temporary. Uh, the seven bodies, energy bodies associated with the seven energy chakras, basically. The seven energy fields or bodies that we are, or we manifest, they're not really our essence, but they're our vehicle. You are not the mind, you are not the body, you are not the chakras. You are the source of the chakras. Mm -hmm. 
That's very interesting. The whole creation is the vehicle uh, of the mind of the infinite. The whole creation is like um, multi-leveled energy fields that are the outer expression or garb or clothing of the infinite mind. And that's our being. That's our essence. But likewise, also each atom of a material such as rock has these shells or energy fields around it. When one can speak to that intelligence, the finite energy of the physical or chemical rock body is put into contact with that infinite power, which is resident in the more well-tuned bodies, be they human or rock, meaning the higher energy fields or more subtle, right? There's body, mind, spirit. These are associated with different chakras. Those chakras are associated with different energy fields. There are higher and lower, not better or worse, but more well-tuned or less well-tuned, or more expansive and less expansive, right? The sixth energy chakra is not better than second orange color, indigo to orange, six to two. It's not better, but it is well more well-tuned or less distorted or more encompassing in its potential or its power, or its awareness. The native awareness of sixth chakra, sixth dimension, the capacity, is greater than second. Likewise, uh, an atom, each atom of the rock, or anything that is of the natural creation, rocks, plants, animals, humans, so on, uh, has a hierarchy of energy fields, and when one can contact the intelligence, the mind uh, aspect, within those higher bodies, uh, within the physical or chemical or higher uh, bodies, uh, one is communicating to all levels of, of, this, of the hierarchy of energy fields of that being, of that entity, or of the rock. So, when you can, basically, when you can connect with, by mind, <laughs> the intelligence of the higher bodies, uh, you're able to control the lower which includes the physical, chemical rock body. And that's how uh, action is done by mind. Uh, the way that people can do magic and they put their hand out and something falls over, uh, you can say, some people are doing that by sending energy. That's a technique, actually. Uh, that can be done also um, without the need to move your body at all. But by mind, connecting with um, the higher bodies or higher fields of the object you wish to move. So that's how they move the rocks. Ross said, when this connection is made, a request may be given, or with this connection made, a request may be given. The intelligence of infinite rockness communicates to its physical ve physical vehicle, and that splitting and moving which is desired is then carried out through the displacement of the energy field of rockness from finity to a dimension which we may conveniently call infinity. All right. So, uh, one uh, uh, one supreme being communicates to another supreme being in the form of a rock, uh, and directs or requests the mind or the intelligence of the of the higher being, the higher fields of the rock, as an aspect of God or the infinite. Communicates. Uh, we communicate to that to the being of the rock, you can say, to the mind of the rock. It's a little crazy, huh? And the 
uh, intelligence of the higher bodies of that rock communicate to its lo communicates to its lower bodies or its physical vehicle, and then splits itself and moves itself. We are asking, can you split and move yourself, please? And he says, sure, I like you too. And then uh, it doesn't. It does. It does happen. <laughs> and so the splitting and moving that's desired is then carried out by some kind of energy displacement. So uh, there's a there's a movement or or a transfer of energy from the finite to an infinite, or from the dimension of uh, space time physical to non-physical. And so there's the you know the laws of the conservation of energy uh, is still maintained, and the laws of metaphysics or interdimensional physics are uh, are obeyed. Uh, but there's the intervention uh, of one uh, of the outside person to the intelligence of the higher bodies of the rock itself. Anyway, in this way, that which is required is accomplished due to the cooperation of the infinite understanding of the Creator indwelling in the living rock. Everything that is, is alive, it's all living, and it is all an aspect of the One Infinite Creator, or it is the One Infinite Creator in that form. This is, of course, the mechanism by which many things are accomplished which are not subject to your present means of physical analysis of action at a distance. Um, meaning, even um, even our picking up, you know, I pick up the cup and I bring it to my mouth to drink, that too is a form of cooperation between me and the indwelling mind of the infinite uh, in the form of the cup although it's not really done by action at a distance, meaning I'm not doing it by mind um, changing matter. I'm, you, you know, I'm working through body to body, the lower to the lower, my mind to my arm to the cup, and I bring the cup, and the cup says, okay, sure. Now, of course, if the cup was uh, 500 tons, it couldn't pick it up. So uh, it depends on the conditions of, of, of the other object there. But anyway, this is very abstract and very high, and um, don't worry if you don't understand it all. Uh, it's not the most important point here, but uh, everything is alive, and everything has intelligence, and everything that is of the natural creation, from minerals to plants, animals, humans, and up, has seven energy fields, and can be uh, communicated with and worked with by mind. 3.9... Um, Don brings in the point, well, I guess if you had enough faith, you could you could move a mountain, right? And that's the, we're wondering about that saying. Ross says, the vibratory distortion of sound faith, meaning the vibratory sound distortion, the word faith, is perhaps one of the stumbling blocks between those of what we may call the infinite path and those of the finite proving understanding. Ra had said at one point, um we offer truth without proof and that um, the whole endeavor of proving or wanting proof uh, can expose one to negative contact. Meaning, the people who are saying uh, to Mr. Mr. UFO and ET, prove that you're real will end up with a negative contact generally. <laughs> uh, let the buyer beware. There are a few famous people who've done that, and they think they're in touch with positives who did prove their existence, but actually they're negative. So, 
this issue of faith is, in Ra's view, a stumbling block or an obstacle or a barrier between those uh, of two different groups of people, which are those who basically seek truth without proof or don't worry about proof because they can validate information as truth internally. Self-affirming value uh, of, of a teaching or something or some, some statement to be truth uh, without proof. That one group who are called spiritualists or spiritual seekers and then the, the other people who are seeking finite proving and uh, can only understand by proof. Ra goes on, you're precisely correct in your understanding of the congruency of faith and intelligent infinity, which is infinity or totality, the, as the source of all, the source of creation being intelligent infinity, that faith is um, resonant with, with the source of all life. However, one is a spiritual term meaning faith, and the other, more acceptable perhaps to the conceptual framework, distortions of those who seek with measure and pen the human scientific uh, level, um, seeks with measure and pen. <laughs> and that's why they're in bed with Orion. <laughs> so, uh, there are the people who basically seek proof, and those who seek truth regardless of proof. And, you know, this whole, all the things that we're talking about here really can't be proven. Uh, there's evidence that it seems to be true, but there's no proof, really. That, for me, is not a problem at all. Uh, but for your human psychologists and scientists and uh, people who, who think that, that reason and logic is the summit of human being, uh, they dis discount it because there's no proof. I remember asking some UFO researcher, not a famous one, but mid-level, he said, I said, you know, what do you think about channeling? He said, well, it's all round good, but, you know, you can't prove it. You know, I mean, it's just somebody's idea. What, you know, what's the point? You can't really work with it. And that's the bent mind of most UFO researchers who are interested in proof. And they never get to philosophy. And so they keep looking at pictures, endless pictures of UFOs in the skies for 20 years of UFO conferences looking at pictures. 3.10. Further, about the Law of One and the pyramids, uh, Don asks, Oh, if an individual is totally informed with respect... You see, he thinks of it as an intellectual, informational matter, which it isn't. But he says, if an individual is totally informed with respect to the law of one and lives and is the law of one, that's true, such things as the building of a pyramid by direct mental effort would be commonplace. Is that what I, is that true? Ross says, you're incorrect, sort of. You're incorrect in that there's a distinction between individual power through the law of one and the combined or societal memory, complex body, mind, spirit, understanding of the law of one, meaning in terms of the capacity to do stuff like building a pyramid by, by mind and saying, um, please, dear rock, split and move yourself. Uh, there's a difference in the capacity of an individual and the group. In the first case, meaning the individual, 
Only one individual purified of all flaws could move a mountain. So only purified of all, only being fully purified, which really means without distortion or without second, third chakra blockage and pretty well or finely develops fifth, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth chakra activation. That one individual purified of all flaws could, yes, move a mountain. However, and also in the case of mass understanding of unity, meaning um, this, the measurement or assessing of a group of people in, their, in terms of their spiritual development, each individual may contain an acceptable amount of distortion, yet the mass mind could move mountains also. So that's just saying that uh, the standard of individual achievement is lower when you have many people working together in a spiritual group for spiritual purpose. The progress is normally from the understanding which you now seek uh, to a dimension of understanding which is governed by the laws of love, which seeks the laws of light. So uh, the progress is from third density to fourth and to fifth. <laughs> and this is uh, just their statement in a, in a kind of roundabout way. The progress of individual soul evolution, which is the uh, successive progressive development of awareness and purification of flaws, if we want to use those terms, is from um, the understanding that we're seeking now, which is basically some greater view of multidimensional reality and the purpose of third density, to a dimension of understanding governed by laws of love, and that's fourth dimension. Fourth dimension is the law of love or the way of love, the dimension of love and understanding, which are equivalent. That then, in fourth density positive, seeks the laws of light or fifth density positive. Then, those who are vibrating with the law of light, meaning those who are developing wisdom uh, as the higher function of love, the higher function of mind, in fifth density positive, seek the law of one, which is realization in sixth density, which is uh, self and other are one, it's all the one self, all is one and one is all. But that's not actually total freedom either. Then, those who vibrate with the law of one in sixth density seek the law of forever, the law of foreverness, or the law of forever, which is seventh density, which is real unity, unity beyond consciousness, unity beyond perception, mm -mm. unity beyond perception, truth beyond perception. Ra goes on, we cannot say what is beyond this dissolution of the unified self with all there is. That's the point. Sixth density is the unified self. No more polarity, no more time, past, present, future, no more space, this thing separated from that thing over there, this thing here, that thing there separated, no more experience of separation or duality or subject-object or time, that is the unified self, or the awareness of our being as unity. However, that also needs to be dissolved. That's exactly what we're talking about. The work of 6 to 7 is the dissolution of the perception and identity of unified self. Unified self is just a perception. Oh, my brother. Unified self is just perception. That perception is dissolved in the law of forever. And then we find ourselves infinity, in infinity, being infinity. And Ra says, we don't really know what's going on after that, because that's the next octave, for we still seek to become all that there is, 
meaning to dissolve the unified self fully. And still we are Ra. They say that kind of poignantly. Thus our paths go onward, six to seven. They're preparing for harvest to seven, you see. And we all have our role. Uh, the pyramids which Ra thought built, they thought them or built them by thought, were constructed by thought forms created by their own social group. They built the rock, they built, uh, they built the Great Pyramid with everlasting rock, uh, which <laughs> is not exactly rock. They said other of the pyramids were built with stone moved from one place to another. So the Giza Pyramid, Great Pyramid, was built with everlasting rock. What's everlasting rock? Ross says, well, if you can understand, this is 313, if you can understand the concept of thought forms, you will realize that the thought form is more regular in its distortion than the energy fields created by materials in the rock. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a very tangled statement. The, 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 thought, the energy fields of the thought form of the rock are more regular, more harmonized. Uh, the, the thought form, the, the distortions or the energy fields of a thought form of a rock like their thought of rock, which is what they call everlasting rock, is uh, those energy fields are more regularized, more harmonized, less distorted than the energy fields associated with the physical rock. And they say, so it's more regular in its distortion than energy fields created by the materials in the rock, which has been, in quotes here, created through thought form from thought to finite energy. And Wow, this is so tangled. Which has been created through thought form from thought to finite energy and beingness in your distorted reflections of the level of the thought form. <laughs> so at that point, the whole group falls over and has to pick themselves up, figure out what the hell you just said there. They're basically saying, and I can't say that I understand it fully either, <clears throat> but uh, their thought form, they're, they're tapping into a, a higher energy body of the rock. And it's associated with thought, the thought form of the rock itself, the rock's thought about itself, the mind level, right? Body, mind, spirit. The rock has body, mind, spirit too. So does the animal, so does the tree. They also have a body, mind, spirit. They're not activated in, in some aspects of the spirit complex or mind complex as we are, and we're not, as, we're not activated in some aspects of mind and spirit complex as higher dimensional beings are, right? So there's mind, body, spirit, body, mind, spirit for all natural life from the minerals through the plants and animals up through the human through the higher dimensional beings. They all have a seven chakra system, actually, or something like that. It's a question of the degree of activation. So the mind level of the rock and the thought forms uh, of the rock of itself, its own thought forms of itself, are more regularized, and um, they could tap into that. And those are less distorted than um, what it than the energy fields associated with the physical body of the rock. So that's what they call everlasting rock, or it's basically the um, etheric form maker level of the rock, the sixth density body of the rock they're, con they're connecting with and working with. Uh, 
Don asks, why was the pyramid made of many blocks rather than the whole thing being just created at once? It's a good question. 3.14, Ross says, there is a law, and this is the introduction to the law of free will. This is a law, there is a law which we believe to be one of the more significant primal distortions of the law of one. So even the law of free will is a distortion of the law of one. This is the law of confusion, and you've called this the law of free will. The law of free will equals the law of confusion. Interestingly, and I never noticed it, the first reference that they make to the law of free will is under the term the law of confusion. <clears throat> Later they explain, of course, that these are the same, and this is the same. The law of free will is the law of confusion, but their initial reference, interestingly, is as the law of confusion. Uh, there's much too much to say about that here, but um, we'll get into that more later. This is the only source you'll ever find, I think, that'll say that the law of free will equals the law of confusion, except for the fake channeling that'll come <laughs> from their review of this audio. Uh, not they, they meaning the negative listeners. So this is the law of confusion, and that's a primal distortion of the law of one, which is the law of free will. We wished to make a healing machine, or which is a time-space, which is non-physical, dimensional, non-physical dimensional energy, or time-space ratio complex, the pyramid shape, which was efficacious, which was as which was as efficacious as possible, meaning as effective. However, we did not desire to allow the mystery to be penetrated by the peoples in such a way that we became worshipped as builders of a miraculous pyramid, thus it appears to be made, not thought. So actually, it was thought, and appeared instantaneously, completely formed, actually. That's the mystery, one of the mysteries of the Giza Great Pyramid. It was not made with, with physical rock. It was made by the level of mind of that rock. The rock was actually manifest in physical 3D space-time, instantaneously by mind, by the communication between Ra and that level of, of mind or energy field of rock, of rockness, of rock being, <laughs> the entity of the mineral kingdom, the, the higher self, Atman, of the mineral group, <laughs> was, was contacted by Ra, and they basically... Uh, communicated their desire and intention, and the rock from its own level of mind manifest was able to uh, achieve the manifestation of its physical body, the rock pyramid. But it appears to be made not thought, and that's because they didn't want later generations to be to have that thrown right in their face that this was made by off-planet group, because that's considered infringement of the law of free will. Hardcore. Uh, and so Don picks up a little bit on Ra's terms. When you says 315, when you speak of the pyramid, especially the Great Pyramid, I assume, this is, we're all talking about the Great, this is talking only about the Great Pyramid or Giza Pyramid now. Don assumes as, a prim, as primarily a healing machine, uh, but you also spoke of it as a device for initiation. Are these one and the same concepts? Uh, also an interesting question. Ross said, they're part of one complex of love-light-intent-sharing, meaning the use of the pyramid as a healing machine or a place for healing, 
and the use of the pyramid as a place for initiation, obviously, is part of the same their same intention and uh, purpose in creating it, in thinking it into manifestation. To use the healing aspects properly, it's important to have a purified and dedicated channel or energizer, which is the healer, the uh, the one who's helping with the healing, doing you know for the love light of the infinite creator to flow through. So it's important to have a purified and dedicated channel or energizer for the love light or light love of the infinite creator to flow through. That's the healer. Thus, the initiatory method was necessary to prepare mind, body, and spirit for service in the creator's work. The two are integral. So um, service to others by assisting with healing requires initiation. And to get to the point of initiation, there must be profound self-healing. Don asks, I'm going to try to run through this and we'll finish pretty quickly. We'll finish this session. Does the shape of the pyramid itself matter, sort of? The question was truncated here, but is that important? And this is actually a big question. Ross says, this is a large question. We feel that we shall begin and ask you to reevaluate and ask further at a later session this somewhat informative point, meaning... It's a big deal, actually, or it's a it's a helpful point, and it's a big answer about why the shape of the pyramid matters for healing and initiation. To begin, Ross says, there are two main functions of the pyramid in relation to the initiatory procedures. So, the, the pyramid is useful for many things. Two of them are healing and initiation. When we talk about initiation... There are two functions of the pyramid related to just the initiation. One has to do with the body, and before the body can be initiated, the mind must be initiated. So actually, initiation of mind, uh, initiation of body, is a higher work than initiation of mind. This is very interesting. So healing and balancing of body is a portion of the healing and balancing of mind, but the initiation of mind precedes the initiation of body. Initiation of body is not actually, um, you know, uh, making a nice flesh body. It's actually, um, it's actually a transformation of the energy channels and points and matrix and lattice of the etheric body. So the sixth chakra body, the sixth dimensional energy body of our mind-body-spirit complex, our own six-dimensional, six-chakra body, the etheric body, the form-maker body, the indigo body, is the work on body. That's an energy field. That's the work on body. And that happens, that initiation, if the full full uh, activation of it, actually happens after healing and balance and initiation of mind. And so... Before the body can be initiated, the mind must be initiated. This is the point at which most adepts of your present cycle find their mind-body-spirit complexes distorted from, meaning distorted in mind. (laughs) Most people don't get through the healing, balance, and initiation of mind. When the character and personality that is the true identity of the mind has been discovered, the body must be known in each and every way. This is the process, again, of healing, balance, and initiation of mind and then body. The character and the personality, and we'll explain this all much more later. So this is just a little introduction, because talking about the shape of the pyramid for healing initiation 
equals the discussion of what is healing and initiation. That equals the discussion of what are the chakras, what is blockage, what is clearance, what is distortion, what is resolution. So it's a big topic. So in terms of mind, the character and personality that is the true identity of mind needs to be discovered. Again, we'll get into this more later. And then the body can be known in each and every way. Thus, the various functions of body need understanding and control with detachment. This control is um, regulation or the direction of will or discipline in love, which is really not a harsh matter, but, you know, uh, I really don't want to go to sleep at 3 a.m. every night, so I won't. That's a kind of control of the body with detachment. Not very controlling. Uh, not negative at all. The various functions of body need understanding and control with detachment. Then, so this is really just introductory. There's hitting the high points. The first use of the pyramid then, and this is another matter, is the going down into the pyramid for the purposes of deprivation of sensory input so that the body may, in a sense, be dead and another life begin. This is another chamber under the pyramid, um, which is like a crypt or a vault, which is reached by a very long tunnel slanting under, in the earth, under the pyramid. That's for a kind of resurrection uh, process that uh, is an aspect of the initiation of body. It comes after the healing and initiation of mind. We advise at this time any necessary questions and a fairly rapid ending of this session. I advise that too. So, <clears throat> uh, this, you know, this is very serious material. Uh, and then at the end of the session, Don just asked a couple of things to help Carla be more comfortable. So, in this session three, basically we're getting an introduction to uh, the way of establishing and maintaining the raw contact, their methodology of the methodology for each session to be performed by the LNL group. There's an initial discussion of the pyramids, sacred geometry, the hierarchical nature of all natural life, um, the uh, ability of using thought forms or communicating to intelligent infinity within all created life or all natural, created meaning created by the creator human fashioning. Natural life, uh, the energy fields and different levels of all life, uh, the way of doing magic a little bit, and uh, what the Giza Pyramid is all about. Healing, initiation, uh, the way of that a little, little bit, and um, later sessions we'll go very deep into healing and initiation and balance, and you'll see um, that there's a lot that is very practical, actually. So here we're just getting the introduction, just dusting off the surface to see what the cover looks like. So that's all for today. And next week we'll go to session four. So any um, questions, comments? That's what it is, yeah, of course. We're very much outside the box of conventional third-density physical thinking. And that's why there's no proof. This is metaphysics, and there is, um, you know, it is possible to prove it, actually, but we don't have the instrumentation. And so, 
It is part, actually, metaphysics is physics. It's just interdimensional, multidimensional physics. And that is, um, that is another aspect of consciousness. And we don't have technologies to measure consciousness quite yet, quite fully. There's a movie called Phenomenon with John mm -hmm. Travolta. Yes, it's worth watching again, actually. And it's a really nice movie. It's a very pure, positive movie, which is very rare. 1996. And there's a scene where he moves a pencil by his mind. And he basically mm -hmm. says, I communicate to the pencil that I want it to move. And uh, I'm talking to the pencil. Now, if he, if he didn't move it, we would say he's crazy. But the fact that he actually can move it after he says he's talking to it, and it's listening and, and saying, okay, um, shows that there's something not quite crazy about it. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, communication from Godhead to Godhead. You know, one being as all, knowing itself as all, communicating to another being which is all. All is one, one is all. Each one is all. And um, humbly asking for some action. And uh, it, it can happen. And so that scene shows it very nicely in a very simple way in the movie. And this is definitely mind-expanding. Uh, and, you know, use your reason and use your logic. That's important, too, of course. And, um, you know, again, you can note or you can assess the level or the, the value of a teaching many ways by usage. Using this, thinking about it, uh, considering it, how does it affect me? Or um, how does it um, change my way of seeing or knowing life, reality, my personal experience? And one can find that that, um, that expansion or transformation of perception or of attitude, of perspective, um, also leads to more happiness and well-being, and peace, and understanding, and patience, and, and ability to be with others well. It's all, it's all part of the same development. Um, it, was, it was done by Ra's intention, intentional planning, and accord with the, the natural, um, least distorted harmonics, or frequencies, or ratios uh, of what's necessary for that shape. You know, in a, in in the the pyramid was built for several reasons. <clears throat> uh, the appearance of mystery was actually not as much, not so much a purpose, because the people uh, of that time in Egypt already had some sense that all is alive and all is one, some sense of the livingness or or spirituality, spiritual nature of all uh, phenomena, of all objects all life, all being, all stuff. <clears throat> so it wasn't so much to show mystery like the crop circles are, which are also, um, you know, harmonically uh, arranged or without, uh, with least, with, you know, sacred geometry uh, as a non-distorted expression of certain truths, principles. But uh, the pyramid was built to help the earth with energetic balancing, Therefore, it's relationships to um, earth geometry, like circumference and things like that. Also for healing and balance.
And healing initiation. Right, right. Well, that's why there's correspondence between the geometry of the pyramid and some of the geometrics of the Earth planet. And if you want to take it even deeper, you can say that uh, that, uh, that resonance or that harmonic congruence or, or various aspects of the harmonic frequency correspondence of the ratios of the pyramid and the ratios or geometrics of the Earth is uh, associated with uh, healing and initiation and total self-transformation, which means that a certain kind of accord with the Earth energetically is a portion of our healing balance and initiation. <clears throat> so that's right. And so um, that uh, being in that shape with its own correspondence or congruence um, mathematically and energetically with planet Earth and its own geometry and energetics is uh, associated with our way of chakra clearing, clearing lower chakras, healing, balance, and then initiation and total self-transformation. And that's a very uh, Earth-based system then and uh, very appropriate for planet Earth. And it also leads to some feeling that um, love of Earth and harmony with the natural condition of Earth is a portion of healing and balance and initiation. And uh, a person who has done the, you know, a Buddha, uh, a, a fully, fully completed being, um, is very much in harmony with the Earth and is very much a lover of Earth. The earth is a logos. The earth is the logos, you see. The earth is not a rock, or it's a rock that is a direct expression of the mind of the infinite creator. And that's why Ra calls a solar system a galaxy. They use the term galaxy originally to mean our, what we call a solar system. For them, seeing it in its seven-dimensional form, uh, it resembles a galaxy. And that totality uh, comes out of, uh, straight out of the mind of the infinite creator, the Logos, as itself, as uh, an expression of the infinite intelligent infinity or the infinite creator, the infinite being. Uh, <clears throat> the um, planet is not really um, some kind of debris thrown off of the sun. It's actually... And you can consider the planets in some ways as chakras in the seven-dimensional octave body of the Logos as the solar system, which is a galaxy. So <clears throat> the, the planet is like a chakra, but the planet itself is a direct expression of the mind of the Logos, which is itself uh, a direct expression of the infinite being. And so a chord with Earth, and harmony with Earth, and love of Earth, you know, which which leads to greater healing and balance, uh, is a portion of the spiritual path. And that's why, you know, guys who sought to go on the adept path live in natural places, or prefer nature to, to culture, <laughs> nature over culture. Because Earth nature, which is really... Um, 
you know, the mineral, plant, and the animal, particularly mineral and plant, uh, is a direct, is very much in harmony or uh, resonant with the purity of the Logos. Purity in the sense of um, non-distortion or uh, infinite love and power. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, um, nature is holy, and that holy uh, is um, is because it 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 really is direct expression of the infinite being, the source of all. <clears throat> that that's specifically for Carla herself, because oh. she um, she's sort of a uh, she her attitude that time maybe more than now, but maybe the same is um, kind of heart-centered universal Christianity. Uh, Not cult, not dogma, not church, not institutional, um, not cultural, but the essence of Christianity being the essence of um, Christ principle or love wisdom or self-offering in service to all. And the Bible had symbolic meaning for her. So it was really for her, um, for her mind to uh, return to or dwell in her appreciation of, of holiness or sanctity or purity or godliness that she associates with some portions of the Bible. So, so that's um, that's for today. And thanks again. And uh, talk to you soon. Good night.